talking about biblical principles of prosperity. And we've been on this for a while now. We talked about tithe for a while. The last two weeks, which have been really great and full of revelation knowledge, when Pastor's been talking about being a good steward. You guys been getting anything out of these last two weeks specifically about stewardship? Remember last week when he talked about if you're faithful in the little things, then God will give you something of your own. Man, there's, there's some, good, some good stuff in that. So tonight what we're going to talk about is just the purpose of prosperity. The purpose of prosperity. So I ask this question, is prosperity about you being rich? What's true prosperity? True prosperity is being able to be a blessing. Being able to have more than enough and be a blessing to people. Prosperity is pointless if you can't bless somebody. It's not about us. The purpose of prosperity isn't about us and what we can spend on ourselves and you know, what we can show. Hey, look what, look what I can do. Look at the money I've got. Look at the vacation I'm going on. That's not the purpose of prosperity. So tonight, we're really going to look at the true purpose of true biblical prosperity. And that number one purpose for prosperity for a Christian is to do the work of God and God's will. We're going to look at where Jesus was abundantly supplied to do the work of the ministry. And I don't have scriptures on the screen for you tonight, and I'm not even going to wait and tell you to turn to them. You can just write them down and follow along. In Matthew 9.35, it says this, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. If you read right before this verse in Matthew 9, you you see that Jesus healed the blind man, that a a man was mute, and he cast an evil spirit out of him. And the Pharisees were saying that he's doing it by the power of the devil. And then the next verse, verse 35, it says, He went about all cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, or the modern-day thing would be what? Standing up here preaching, going and traveling and preaching, teaching their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's what we do here. I'm preaching to you right now the gospel of the kingdom. Every message you hear here that's out of the word of God is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what Jesus did. And he went about, he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. But what I really want you to see in there is that then Jesus went about all the cities and villages preaching and teaching and healing people. Do you think he moved around without finances? Doesn't it take finances to move around? You think they would have used a car back then if they had a car or an airplane? I'm sure, I'm sure they would have. You know, we, we know from the story that they probably walked or, or maybe they rode donkeys. I don't know. We do know he rode a donkey into Jerusalem during the Holy Week. But all these things take money. You can't minister from place to place freely without financial resources. To share the gospel, you have to have financial resources. And so, before I get into God, we're going to look at God's priorities. What are God's priorities? And I want to say this. Would you guys all agree that a good father is intentional? He's intentional. If a father is a good father and he has to correct a child or instruct them in something, he's not just doing it from a heart of, you got to do what I say to do. You know, just obey me. He's usually teaching you to, he's thinking of your future where if you're going to have a job and you're going to have a boss that's going to ask you to do something and you don't want to do it, you don't lose that job. That starts at home. So a good father is intentional in everything that he puts into you to, te- to get you ready for greater things, for greater things. I just kind of felt, when I was preparing this, I kind of just wanted to share that. That sometimes, sometimes we have to be corrected. In our, maybe our toes stepped on. And, and sometimes when we're corrected, at the time we don't see that as encouragement. 
But really, if it helps us look at our priorities and our motives and gets us on, in track where we need to be, isn't that encouragement? Isn't that guidance to get you where you need to be? So let's look at what, what is God's priority? What are God's priorities? John 3.16. John 3.16 and 17. That's, you see that on football games all the time, people holding that sign. That is the Great Commission. That is the verse. And we'll read it. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For God so, so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His son. Wasn't his son the first and best? You know, we talked about tithing and you give your first and best. Didn't he give his first and best? Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit were with him in the beginning. He gave us his best. And in giving Jesus, we were able to have the Holy Spirit with us. I just kind of want to get that in you that God so loved that he gave his first and best. And this is our example for us giving our first and best by giving our tithe and offerings. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that because why? He doesn't want anyone to perish. He, he wants a big family. He's not in a hurry to bring judgment on anybody. Then, then there's a verse here, Second Peter 3 and 9, says God's not willing that any should perish. Peter was saying that, you know, God is full of mercy, and he's not just trying to bring things to a wrap, you know, because he's fed up with people. He wants a lot of people in his family, and he doesn't want anyone to perish. And he's, and this was, that, Peter said this 2,000 plus years ago. And that's still the same today. Is God is a merciful Father, and He's trying to bring as many people into His family as He can. So what's God's priority? The Great Commission. To fulfill that Great Commission to the body of Christ. To, to bring a whole bunch of people into the family and grow them up and prepare them to do the work of the ministry. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, this is what Jesus was saying to the disciples. Go and make more disciples of all the world, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all, to observe all the things I have commanded you. So this is God's priority. You know, Jesus expressed what our Father's priority is, is to go into the world and share the gospel, and build the kingdom. That's number one priority to God. When He blesses us, He loves seeing us blessed. The Word says that He takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. And I think it's interesting that He says servant, because you're serving. He loves it when we serve, and He loves to increase us. But we we, we got to remember that it's all about what? Creating more disciples, sharing the gospel, and spreading it. If He gets our heart right, to where we don't want increase and prosperity and more stuff for our own good, but so we can share it with others and be a blessing to others, then he's really got us where he needs us and where he can use us. Like Pastor that used that, that quote last week about, uh, and I'm just paraphrasing, you guys probably remember, something about getting you to where you, he can spend you. God wants to get you where he can spend you, help you be a good steward so he can spend you and, and do great things in the earth. So one of the main purposes to prosperity is reaching the world with the gospel or evangelism. And, you know, and I tend to always think about evangelism on a local level. 
I know missionaries, and we support missionaries that are overseas. This church supports missionaries. But evangelism encompasses a whole lot. You know, your own family members, whether you realize it or not, the things you do or don't do or say or don't say are evangelizing. Sometimes it's a thing that you won't join in on, and maybe they give you a hard time because you won't. You're being too serious. That's evangelism. You know, you, you take God serious. You take the things of God serious. Why? Because you love the Lord. You love the Lord. You put Him first place. Sharing the gospel can't be done without us prospering. It's necessary for us to prosper financially, to, to increase the kingdom, to grow the kingdom of God. And if we will give as good stewards towards God's mission and His direction, we can expect abundance in our finances. So we've been talking about prosperity and being a good steward. And I know all you guys are faithful at tithing and, and giving. That's being a good steward. You tithe and you give. You're being a good steward with your finances right there. And so for that reason alone, you can expect increase in your life. Why? So you can go spend it on yourself? No. So you can be a blessing to others. So you can give when we have something special going on here, or we reach out and do something special. Those Easter eggs are a perfect example of, for example, those aren't part of your tithe. You're, you people have bought it, went out, you've went out and bought those things. That's an offering. For what? Those children. So they have that memory. And some of them, they're going to grow up and they're going to remember that church that was such a blessing. And it's going to make them want to go back to church and, and follow God. But if, if scenarios say tomorrow we realize we want more eggs, when we go to put them together at 1 o'clock, put the candy in the eggs, well, we can take what's money's in the church account and go get some more. Why? Because you tithe faithfully. Because we tithe. We can be that blessing. We have more than enough. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 in the New Living says this, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I'm going to read it to you out of the New King James because I usually read it myself out of that one a lot. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8 says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. An abundance for every good work. It's a good work if I can share things with you and be a blessing to you. And you see that God has blessed me and that in, doing, in Him blessing me, I'm able to be a blessing to you. I was just thinking last week, Tracy and I were able to go to, uh, we went to Branson for a couple of days to kind of celebrate our, our first anniversary. And it was a little late, you know, almost two weeks later from the actual date. We stepped out in faith in an area and the, the finances came. And I never even, never even had to think too much about it. Just had to make some calls and set things up and go. And it was kind of a last-minute thing. And I was just thinking while we were gone about, I don't even really think about how things are going to work out anymore. Because, you know, when you put God to the test and, you, and he has a good, you, you learn his character and you see that he's faithful to always provide, you just kind of trust him. And you just step out and you just watch him provide. And it's, it's awesome to live that way. That's peace. When you don't have to worry and you just give your care to the Lord, and you don't even think about, well, I wonder how God's going to do this. We can expect financial prosperity if our motive is to increase the kingdom of God. If God gets our heart to where our motive for prosperity is, is to do that, to share the gospel, then we're right where we need to be. That's, that's when He can spend us. Did you guys? I'm going to ask a question, and if you can answer this yes, raise your hands. 
did you guys all have a dream, maybe when you were growing up, junior high, high school? Because you know how in school they keep asking you, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to college? What's your plan or your goals? You'll go to homecoming, in, like the homecoming football game, and they'll have the king and queen. And they'll all say, well, I plan to go to school and be this and marry and have this many kids. Maybe later in life you come up with your goal. How many of you had that kind of goal and plan and it came to pass in your life? Two. We got two. And that's, that's a pretty small number. How many of you had a plan but it didn't come to pass? Or you didn't do a whole lot with it? I'm willing to say... There's, there's one or two things that I really didn't put the effort into, but <laughs> I say all that to point to this. When I was a teenager and came here and got saved, I remember hearing about Rama Bible Training Center. It was center then. It's called College Now. And I, and I knew some people that were here that had went, and I thought that would be cool to go to a Bible college. And so I kind of had that desire then. Well, in high school, I didn't graduate high school. Because of absences. I failed the 11th grade twice because of absences. Not because I couldn't do the work. I mean, I was on the honor roll at one point in high school. And after I failed the second time, the 11th grade, and all my friends were gone, and I started the next year, I said, this is silly. Like three weeks later, I had my GED. It wasn't even hard to get. But I remember from then on for another 10 years or so, feeling like I didn't accomplish anything. I didn't even graduate high school. And 10 years ago this coming fall, I stepped out in faith and I'm not trying to just talk about me. I just Those are my best examples I have to give as my own life. Is I went to Bible college, and I didn't have any money, and God provided. And my whole goal when I originally went to Bible college is I just want to know more of the Bible. I haven't even thought about serving and being in ministry. It was just about I want the knowledge. Me, me, I want these things. So I remember the night of graduation... You know, two years later, the first year we just we all had the same classes, and we we studied the same courses. The second year, you studied your individual area that you thought you might go into. I studied youth. I have not done youth ministry since I've been out. But anyway, the night of graduation at the old the Civic Center Convention Center downtown Tulsa, we were in the back before we walk out. You know, the procession for the actual graduation, and I remember thinking, I didn't graduate high school, and here I am graduating. And I remember the Lord dealing with me and saying, this isn't about you. Yeah, it was an accomplishment, but this is way more than you. This is about other people. And, and it's nothing wrong with, maybe, you, maybe we didn't grow up with a lot of validation or had a good, strong family where we had a dad, you know, telling us we had what it takes as a man or you're captivating as a woman. You know, you get those things in a good, strong, healthy family. In a good, strong church, you get those things. That's when a, when a church is working like it should, you get all those things. But maybe we want validation, and we want someone to validate us. And those things are all well and good, but this is where we get our validation, right here. Because you might come asking me to validate you, or maybe validate's not the word, but celebrate something with you. And you don't know what's going on in my life and the tensions that are going on. And I may sound like I discounted what you're telling me. And you have the temptation to be offended. Well, he didn't really care anything about my life. But we don't know what's going on with somebody. So we can't get upset when they don't celebrate things that we're excited about. God knows everything that's going on. 
When you, when you come to know the character of God and you know to go to God for your validation and affirmation, you don't care what anyone does, what they say to you or don't say to you. I went off on a rabbit trail, didn't I? I don't even know why I said all that, but hey, the Spirit of God wanted to get it across. You know, when I was praying this morning, I kind of knew along the lines of where I might be going, and so I prayed, and, and God gave me this verse. And I said, and I didn't write it down, and later on He brought it back to me, so I know He wanted to get it across. And it's James 4, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. And I'm going to read it to you out of the New Living. It says this, Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. <laughs> we want these things in life, but we didn't even think to ask God. We just thought, okay, I want this, so what can I do to get it? And so we go, oh, I can do that. Maybe I can do this. I'll throw this out there and see if it sticks. And we waste money and time. When all along we could have went and asked God for it. And he might have said, no, I don't want that for you. Or, or maybe later. I want you to do this. We don't have because we don't ask, it says. Or it says here, even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motive is wrong. And that's really what we're talking about tonight is we want our motive to be right for prospering. For prospering. That's kind of, I guess that's why I shared my story of going to Bible college is my motive was I want all this knowledge so I can say that I accomplished something, that I went to Bible college. And then there at the end, he straightens me out to say, this isn't about you or it's way more than you. There's people attached to what you're doing here. And he, I think that's where he really started to work on my heart to serve. Show me what it was really all about. So let's get back to the tithe. Here we are, back to the tithe. Last time I talked to you here, I was talking about the tithe. So let's get back to the tithe in talking about the purpose of prosperity. You know, tithing is God's plan to finance the mission of the church and the outreaches. And just like we said before, that Jesus went about, went to all the cities and villages, preaching the gospel, teaching, healing the sick. Tithing is how we finance that. Everything that happens here is happening because you guys tithe. Tithe. First and foremost, tithing. And all of our outreaches happen and we're able to do because we tithe. Does God need our tithe? No, He doesn't. Actually, He doesn't need anything from us. But He humbles Himself and receives that tithe so that we can do what? Partner with Him and receive blessing. So let's talk about what purpose the tithe is actually serving. And I'm going to give you a few things. They're actually questions. And I'm going to ask all of you and raise your hand if you can say yes to this. Are you spiritually fed here? How does that happen? Tithing. The lights are on. The building's maintained because we tithe. So that's the purpose that the, the tithe is serving. That's one thing. Is someone watching over you and praying specifically for you and your family? Yeah. You can guarantee that our pastor, when God speaks to any of us or he sees our face, he's going to God and praying. Or just doing it generally. And we just did it for the when we started tonight for, for those members of our family. And when we have prayer meeting, we always pray for our growth and increase and, and all those things and safety. All because what? We tithe. We tithe. That's all, your tithing is directly connected to our prayer meeting. It's directly connected. Are you encouraged and strengthened in the Word of God here? You are. Because you tithe. Because you tithe. Are people blessed because you tithe? Amen. Amen. We've done a lot of things the last few years in outreach, and a lot of people have been blessed because why? You tithe. 
you partnered with God and you tithed? Are prayers being answered? I know prayers are being answered. I can ask Philip to share some things. I could ask several of you and you could say, we prayed for this and it came to pass. We prayed for this and it happened. It all goes back to, it does go back to your tithing. Are these facilities a blessing to you? It is. It is to me. Because why? You tithed. Because you tithed. You know, when we tithe, we're to be sincere and cheerful and confess the word. Why? Because we're partnering with God financially. And let's talk about going over and above the tithe. Offerings. Offerings allows the church to do what? Go above and beyond more than we would normally do. For example, that demolition is not coming out of the tithe. It's offerings. You know, you guys have all gave into an offering, so we're able to do that. And that, that's been our last eyesore on our property. That's it, other than maybe a few cosmetic things. There's nothing more to get rid of, so to speak, like that. So all because what? You gave over and above your tithe. And, and whether you realize that or not, that building going down, it does play an integral part of spreading the Great Commission. We don't really see how yet, but it does. Romans 10, 13, 15 says this. Romans 10, verses 13 through 15. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? So ministry and outreach happens because why? Someone is sent. God calls someone to go overseas and someone supports them. They, they step out and they trust God. So more money results in more ministry, which ultimately fulfills God's plan and purposes in the earth. It does what? It builds the kingdom of God. So let's talk about partnership with God. Through tithing to our local church and giving, giving offerings to other worthy ministries, we can be part of what God is doing in the world today. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if I shared a few weeks ago when I talked about tithing about you know, you'll get things in the mail from different ministries and they'll say you can send your tithe to them. I don't see that in the Word of God. Why do I send my tithe to some ministry that I'm not attending? I'm not spiritually fed there, per se. I can give offerings to them. You know, in many different great ministries, I would give offerings into them, but you primarily, your tithe is here where you're fed. Our motive and purpose for giving should be pure and unselfish. My motive, you know, in the beginning when you're wanting, you're wanting more for your life and you get a hold of the law of sowing and reaping, you might give because you want to receive. But God wants your heart to change to where you're doing it for different reasons, not just to give. I mean to receive. You're not giving so that you can get something back. You're wanting to be a blessing. So I'm going to give you some things. There are going to be five things here. And number one is this. We should tithe and give because we should do it because we love God. First and foremost, we do it because we love God. You know, giving is a natural expression of love. And like we read in John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave. But He did it for us. And He's our perfect example of why we should give and tithe and give. We do it because we love God. Number two would be, we should give to God in obedience to His Word. 
in the Bible, because the Bible teaches us to give to the Lord and support His work. And, you know, in addition to all these scriptures that we've examined tonight, there's so many more that are unmistakable in their instruction about giving. Number three, we should give as a means to help carry out Christ's great commission and support the work of those who are going into all the world with all the gospel, with the gospel, I should say. That's number three. Number four is we should give because we want to see people blessed. Our tithes and gifts help support outreaches to the local church and other organizations that minister to the poor, evangelize the lost and unreached, and build up the saints while equipping them for Christian service. Number five, and it's finally, this is way down the line on our list of five things we should give in expectancy. Believing God to honor the promises in His Word to bless and prosper us. Now notice that giving to receive is the last thing there in the five. That is the lowest reason that we should give. Yes, it's true that God's Word says that, you know, that we can plant seeds and He's true to His Word. When we sow, we'll reap. It says in Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And running over, shall men give into your bosom. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there telling you about giving. And, you know, you give 5000 into my ministry and you're guaranteed to have this happen or this miracle. And that is not the reason to give. The number one reason to give is what? We love God. And we're going to be like our Father and we're just going to express our love through giving. Number two, we're obeying His Word. Number three, to carry out the Great Commission. Number four, because we want to see people blessed. And the last, to receive you know, and so all these reasons I gave are valid reasons for giving. And each one of these, I believe, lead to true prosperity. Stewardship leads to increased prosperity. You know, the Bible says that we're, we're blessed to be a blessing. Are we blessed to spend money on ourselves? No. Are we blessed to say, look at my new car, look at my new boat? No. That's not why God wants to bless us. He blesses us because He wants to build the kingdom of God in the earth. You know, Deuteronomy 8.18, Pastor mentioned the last few weeks, says this, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant.